welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. Good morning and welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast today. All the way from the USA, we have uh, uh, Lauren Zimmerman. Welcome, Lauren. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, look, it's been a pleasure. I uh, First of all, I must apologize to you and also the listeners out there. Um, and over the last probably two to three weeks, I've, I've been a bit sick. So I uh, haven't had a chance to, uh, uh, I know that we've rescheduled our, our meetings. So I do apologize for that. But we're, we're here now and uh, ready to go. Yeah, no need to apologize for that. It's been crazy times, so <laughs> I, I totally understand. I'm just glad that you're okay and uh, everything is good now. Certainly, certainly hard to uh, uh, record a podcast when you lose your voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. So let's let's just jump straight in, um, if that's all right. So um, let's let's tell uh, you know a little bit about you know about your backstory, your origin story, if that's cool. You know, you, I know that we're going to jump into your your business, Oakley Canine Athletics, a little bit later. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's fire away in regards to um, you know a little bit about yourself, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, oh gosh, um, if if we want to focus just more kind of on the dog stuff, um, my my background in, in kind of everything stems from um, when I went to college, um, I was a um, certified surgical tech first. And so I specialized in orthopedics for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that for quite a few years um, while I was starting to get into doing competitive agility. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, I was also going back to school and um, getting a higher um, degree for um, healthcare management. Um, and things started kind of taking off in agility and I started getting more consumed with the dog thing. Um, and it just kind of went from there. I kind of got like really sucked into the whole thing. Um, and and then, um, I ended up getting my, my CCIS. Um, and so that's how that part of the, the business kind of took off, um, Mm -hmm. with Oakley Canine. And, um, so now I do, um, the personal fitness training for dogs, um, also for people, because I'm mm-hmm. a um, certified um, personal trainer for humans as well mm-hmm. with that background. Um, and then um, I teach a lot of uh, dog agility now as well. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. So, so you know, obviously, um, you know, Dogs and Deadlift, the podcast, um, you know, your your background almost, you know, it, well, it fits perfectly in regard to uh, what uh, what I do as well, you know, so that hence wanted to uh, to get you on and, um, you know, we can shoot the shit about uh, dogs, people, whatever, whatever sort of pops up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I thought um, when you asked me to be on the podcast, I thought it was a great fit for me because really that is my life is um, that dealing with people in fitness and mm-hmm. living a healthy lifestyle, um, not only just as a, as an athlete myself, but, um, but helping others. And then, um, adding the whole canine side of it in my business, um, 
and in my lifestyle has, has made a, um, I guess a great correlation between the two of them. And so I, I love the title, um, dogs and deadlifts because it, it really is like a big part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so it's a good fit. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I know that we're going to, you know, I want to elaborate on that a little bit later, but, um, before we do, uh, let's, what sort of dogs have you got? And, um, can you tell me a little bit about those? Okay. So I have five dogs currently. <laughs> I have a, I have a nice little pack. Um, I have my oldest, which is 10 and a half, um, going on 11. Um, he's my oldest border collie. Um, that's clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have, um, my second youngest is Dublin. He just turned four. He's my red and white border collie. Um, I have Savage who just turned three. He is my blue Merle border collie. Um, my, I, it's, um, I guess my newest puppy, he is, um, just a plain black and white border collie. That's my stro. And then my fiance's dog, which I mean, it's pretty much my dog. Um, he, <laughs> he is, um, he's a two-year-old Alaskan Husky. So he's the odd one out. I didn't know how I was in the middle of like how to make that work. So it's four border mm. collies and then the Husky. And so yeah. the border collies are involved in the sports, but the Husky yep. is more just house dog. Oh yeah. I was going to say Alaskan house, Alaskan Husky. Surely you got to get some sort of um, harness sports there. Surely. <laughs> no, to be no? honest, if yeah. you want me to be truly honest, I love him. He is the best dog and is because he is so lazy. He literally <laughs> is the best house dog. <laughs> He sleeps all the time and he is just an absolute clown. Like he has the great personality of the Huskies and yeah. is just a clown and always having a good time. But it in like, as far as like him doing any type of sport work, no. I can never see it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's fair enough. I've got a little, I've got a little Frenchie and you may see him in the, uh, the, the painting behind me. Um, yes. Yeah. He's, that's my token, odd one out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have just a, like a regular house dog that isn't involved in it. Yep. Um, Cause they're just kind of like the staple. I feel like he's kind of the mascot, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. My little Frenchie, he, uh, he, he sort of, he does come out occasionally when we're on the treadmill or the slap mill and uh, go, Oh, can I have a go? And it lasts like maybe three minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm over it now. I want to hop off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Denali. He wants to know what's going on at all times. And he wants to like supervise and see everything. But he, um, <laughs> once he gets involved, he's like, um, I'm ready to go back to bed now. <laughs> yep. No, no, I agree. My, that's my Frenchie as well. So I think it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's great to have that, uh, you know, that uh, odd one out that um, sometimes, you know, has more of an off switch than an on switch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a little refreshing sometimes when the other ones are like always so busy. I agree. I agree. Um, so, you know, just moving on, um, you know, you previously, we've obviously both, both completed uh, Erica, Erica's course You in regards to, um you know, uh, the uh, certified canine athlete specialist. How did you, um, I suppose, what, you know, what led you into that and how did you find it and how, how has it been, um, you know, beneficial for your business? So originally I was looking for something personally um, for my own dogs because mm-hmm. truly, uh, especially in, in the U.S., it's um, disheartening to see that there's a lot of, um misinformation and people who are not educated in actually warming up and cooling down and keeping their dogs in a great physical condition to be able to do some of the sports like uh, agility, fly ball, dock diving, disc. 
um, a lot of times it's um, people who are doing things weekend to weekend and not doing all the stuff in between. Mm -hmm. And so I was actually looking for some type of education just to help myself and my own dogs with proper warm ups and cool downs um, and being able to keep them physically fit um, as best as possible to prevent injuries um, when running agility at, at a high caliber, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's how I ended up finding Erica's program in the first place and then went through the elite canine athlete program um and then decided to um go through the certification program afterwards so yeah, yeah awesome look I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh you know and i know that we've had a number of uh um webinars and stuff since and uh you know we're both on the same page and uh about that but also um canine fitness in general you know how where it is at the moment, where it was, you know, let's just say three or four years ago and, you know, how much growth and potential it has in the next three to five years, you know, um, what would you, you know, in your opinion, you know, I suppose I like to ask people this, you know, in your opinion, where, where have you sort of seen it? I know that you specialize uh, obviously in agility um, and my, you know, with me, I'm, I'm of slightly different um, unconventional sort of sports, if I, I like to put it that way. Um, where sort of have you seen it um, and how have you seen people get on board and be more receptive of things? So I would definitely say that since I like started getting involved in the sport, which was a little over 10 years ago, I've definitely seen a big growth in the overall amount of people who actually are putting in the time properly warming up their dogs, mm -hmm. um, dogs that are better conditioned. Um, I know there is a big like issue, um, especially recently with dogs with um, medial shoulder instability and um, CCL issues um, when it comes to participating in high intensity sports. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if that is just because of the sport evolving um, necessarily or because of the like, um, like higher amount of things that are available at the time. So like the instance of trialing and being able to compete is a lot higher mm -hmm. um, now, uh, not necessarily um, right now because COVID kind of put a stop yeah. to a lot of it. But before COVID hit, I mean, you could pretty much go to an event any weekend of the year that you wanted to, you could trial all 52 weekends of the year if you were willing to travel and go. Yep. Um, and I know that that wasn't as readily available beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, so I know people are becoming more educated in that regard. Um, because I think the higher instance of being able to compete is also correlating with the higher instance of dogs getting injured. Mm -hmm. And so I think people are really starting to, um, be wise to the fact that they need to be doing these things with their dogs preventatively and making sure that they're on proper um, supplementation and on a, um, a good nutritional diet in accordance with doing regular fitness work that's outside of their correlating sport. Yeah, for sure. And just on that, you know, so, you know, like, oh, I would love i would love to have the variety of to you know be able to pick and choose 52 weeks of the year what i you know what i do and what i don't do yeah like sweets like you mm -hmm. know like like me going to a donut shop every now and again i'm like oh where do i go <laughs> you know but having <laughs> but having a you know having that much variety and and potentially if people are not if people are not setting their dogs up for success as in regards to you know making sure their you know their body weight their their ligaments their tendons are all super strong all ready to go um 
and also what I was just thinking about potentially, you know, having, you know, a, an event every weekend um, and not having a recovery time, um, but also not having that, you know, pre-season, um, you know, preparation, if you like. Yeah. And so I, I kind of correlate it to like professional sports. So mm -hmm. to me, looking at it from the outside, looking in, um, if you look at any other professional sports, football, basketball, baseball, mm -hmm. especially here in the States, mm -hmm. they have a season. Mm -hmm. These people compete during the season. And even during that short, like season time frame, you see lots of injuries during that time because those athletes mm -hmm. are, are putting their heart and soul into everything and also competing several days out of the week, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, these athletes though, and their off season are getting a rest and recovery period and then also a transition period getting ready for the, the upcoming season, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that these dogs are constantly put to the competition test and some of these competitors will go weekend after weekend after weekend, I think that is the correlation to why we are seeing a lot more injuries because um, the dogs are not given an adequate rest and recovery time. They're not given an adequate mm -hmm. um, like pre workout time period to get them really in the proper shape mm -hmm. to be able to um, compete at a very high intensity level for an extended amount of time. For sure. And, and, you know, just on that, having a structured plan where, you know, if you know what's, what's today's date, you know, here in Australia, you know, the 4th of, um, you know, the 4th of June, know that you have an, a, an event on the 4th of June, you know, four weeks out, we're going to, you know, start to look at tapering your intensity sessions. So you're in prime, you know, your dog is in prime, um, you know, fitness and condition for that event on that particular day, you know, uh, you're not mm -hmm. generally going to, you know, compete every weekend at those super high intensities leading up to, you know, a, something that you really want to do well in. So, you know, would you agree picking and choosing your events that you, you know, that you really want to do well at, um, you know, and then working out whether it's a four, eight, 12 week program, you know, leading up to that is a, a key component. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and for myself with my own dogs, I, um, I don't compete, I would say at max, um, 10 competitions a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, because I am very picky and choosy about when I'm going to compete. And that way I can set my dogs up for success mm -hmm. with being able to regiment them and making sure that their workouts are scheduled and that everything is, is primarily timed. That way they are at their peak when we do compete um, and they're not coming off of, of being totally exhausted from being at other events. Because when I compete, I want to compete mm -hmm. at the highest caliber. Mm -hmm. And so I want my dogs to not be exhausted from competing and competing and competing. I want them to be excited and um, like fully ready to be able to take on something like that and then be able to rest afterwards. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, I'm going to flip the coin for a moment and it's exactly the same thing for humans. Yeah. The hum the other end of the leash. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. The it is. And the thing is too, is um, especially in agility, I see a lot of agility handlers who, um, are not taking the best care of themselves, mm -hmm. um, that they should also be on a great diet, on exercise plan, um, and making sure that they are doing the things to keep themselves in the best shape, um, mm -hmm. to be um, faster and better for the dog, of course, but, um, but also for the longevity of the team, you being in better shape, on a better diet, 
um, having consistent habits will make you an overall better person, right? Mm -hmm. So you being that other half of the team that that needs to be showing the dog where to go and um, I mean, you're the one driving the dog to all the events and doing all the stuff. You want to be competing at your like best top level too. Mm -hmm. And so I also, like, I know myself, there's no way that I could be my hundred percent like on self 52 weekends out of the year. I can't, I couldn't do it for even half. There's just no way that mentally, physically, I would be able to be my like best competitive self mm-hmm. if I was competing that much. Yeah, for sure. And how easy is it for, you know, oh, you know, we've got like a 10 hour drive. Let's just duck through drive through, you know, on the way to the event for us, you know, uh, as the, the handlers, mm-hmm. we'll just duck through drive through, you know, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. Um, and just, you know, all this, um, poor, I will say poor nutritional choices come in, you know, um, you know, yes. it's super, you know, super important that we look after ourselves as well. Yeah, it's something that I that I think people should should plan more ahead, be more regimented. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're used to eating a healthy diet beforehand, make sure that you're making those same choices while you're on the road or while you're at these competitions, mm-hmm. because you get there and you start eating fast food or going out to dinner with your friends and drinking alcohol, doing um, things that you wouldn't normally do. It, that's all going to be reflected in the next day because you're going to feel sluggish and tired and mm-hmm. not yourself. Your stomach will be a mess. There will be all types of things that are not normal because your body's like, what did you just put into me um, that you don't normally do? So um, keeping those same healthy habits, um, especially during competition time, I think is um, very important. Sure. And that, you know, like, and with, you know, with, you know, high end or, you know, competitors and what that are aiming for the top, that can lead to, you know, a misturn, a, a slightly wrong direction, you know, in, you know, when, when handlers are giving that, that direction, you know, so, you know, at night on the, on the bubbles, you know, and uh, a poor, you know, a poor diet can, can certainly lead, um, you know, to, to mistakes the next day, you know, and when, when every percentage counts, we, you know, we don't want that to happen. No, absolutely not. And so that's my thing is that if, um, if you're already like, um, used to to keeping those good, healthy habits and Mm -hmm. like staying in that routine and doing those things at home, it will easily be more carried over to when you're out of town. So I think it's a, it's always a good habit to, to stay on those things. For sure. Um, so I, I looked back at some old clean run magazines the other day and I was looking for a particular article, <laughs> like we're talking quite some time um, about, mm-hmm. you know, while we're talking about handlers, um, you know, ha- having, um, you know, injury prevention, especially, you know, knees, uh, you know, knees and ankles in particular, you know, how important is either strength work or conditioning work around those things? Because we're, you know, it was probably, I don't know, the article was, Oh, years old, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know, talking about um, the importance of preventing uh, knee and ankle injuries in uh, uh, agility handlers. Yeah, well, I mean, so if we're looking at it from agility standpoint, mm-hmm. we're looking at knees, ankles, which also we should be looking at hips at the same time. Um, lower half of the body is what's driving the person, what is giving them the ability to like keep up with the dog, give the dog the cues properly. Um, If you have a bum knee or a bum ankle and you can't turn a certain way or um, pivot and and accelerate another way, it's gonna bite you. So 
making sure that you are doing, um, I would guess, a scheduled strength training. And again, with a professional, um, I don't recommend just watching YouTube videos and, and doing it on your own, but hiring someone who is at least um, knowledgeable in that area to help you, especially if you have pre-existing conditions or previous injuries, that's 100% um, necessary. Um, find a personal trainer near you that will, that will be able to help you with these things. But um, making sure that your hip rotation, your knee rotation, um, your ankle stability is all in check. Um, will help you be a better handler for the dog because you'll be able to accelerate and decelerate. You'll be able to turn more correctly. You'll be able to show the direction with your feet, um, especially people who run small dogs, making sure your feet are turned the correct direction is, um, is, is something that's very important. Um, so when we're talking about lower body strength, making sure that you're working with somebody um, and you're putting in the time and the strength training at least a couple of days a week to make sure that those joints are, are moving correctly and that they um, are properly strengthened and you're not susceptible to injury, um, especially when you're doing those type of movements in a very high rate of speed um, will be very beneficial for, um, for all agility handlers. For sure. Do you have, do you have a favorite? So obviously there's, there's probably not hard to guess mine deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> you know um do you have a favorite i would say squats i mm -hmm. love squats mm -hmm. yes um i i love incorporating different um types of squats um front squats i mean you could go on and on about that all day but mm -hmm. um i i would say that's probably one of i would say that's probably my favorite movement of all mm -hmm. i think um i can't show you but on the back of my um, laptop. I even have a sticker that says squats. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do your deadlifts while we're, while we're talking about that for the moment? Do you deadlift? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And especially, so I actually, I, I work with a personal trainer as well. And I've been working recently uh, with someone who is uh, certified with uh, a, a specific program called functional patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really love the, um, the, the, like science behind it. Mm -hmm. um, but dealing with functional deadlifts, especially in that program, um, recently I have been able to um, really tweak my form and make things even better than before. Mm -hmm. um, but I, um, I enjoy deadlifting as well. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Now, as do I, and, and and look, you know, for the listeners out there, I've got a, you know, I've just, um, I've got a personal uh, trainer as well, you know, uh, who um, I, I'm a little bit holistic sometimes in my approach. So yes, I still like to live, lift heavy, um, but super, um, super important as well for me as I do um, uh, nasal breathing for, for running, um, you know, just to increase the uh, aerobic base there and also uh, the, my diaphragm's capacity, uh, but also uh, things like, uh, well, the, my coach is called uh, Tim from original, he's, orig he's called uh, original strength and he's obviously from the States as well. Um, we do a lot of rocking, rolling, crawling, um, you know, sort of primal based movements going back to, uh, you know, barefoot yeah. sort of stuff. So I really, really enjoy that um, as well as, yeah, look, there's, there's days where I just like to lift, lift heavy. Um, you know, nothing beats putting, you know, a heap of, you know, heap of iron on the deadlift bar and trying to pull it off the ground, you know, makes, makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
But, um, you know, it's interesting that um, there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, they don't consider actually strength training. Um, you know, they spend a lot of time on, say, cardio or light, light stuff, um, whereas the benefits of strength training are huge. Then, you know, uh, absolutely um, not just for people, but on the flip sides, we'll go back to talking dogs. Yes. Um, yeah. And the, the strength training part of, of any type of um, training regimen is, is extremely important, um, especially for these canine athletes. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that they have a scheduled, um, I would say minimum three days mm -hmm. um, of strength training per week um, to make sure that they are in the best physical shape that they can be to be able to handle um, a heavy competition load and even training load, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're talking agility. Um, those dogs are running at a very high rate of speed. We're expecting them to turn on a dime. Mm -hmm. We're expecting them to be able to fly over very thin planks mm -hmm. um, at a very high rate of speed and also make very split-second decisions. Um, so I'm always trying to incorporate those type of movements that they will see out on the agility field into their um, weekly strength training. And that way we are building those muscles and building those, um, those fibers to where they are mimicking those type of movements. And that way, when they see it on the agility course, it's not something traumatic for their bodies. It's something that they're already used to doing. They already have the, the ground base for that. And so um, it's, it's something that I feel is very, um, like underutilized and mm -hmm. should be, should be a household thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, look, I'm a big, you know, you know, you probably know this already, but I'm a big fan of obviously, um, you know, progression and obviously taking your time to progress, you know, but, but starting a lot of, um, say body weighted exercises, making sure they're on point. Um, but, you know, moving forward, you know, my, my favorite go-to is, you know, um, uh, drag work or, um, you know, um, canine resistance training, if you want to call it that, you know, um, so, um, you know, pulling, dragging, you know, percentage of chains for a certain distance um, over a certain time um, on a regular basis, um, you know, as a progression on from the, that body weighted stuff. Uh, I love it. And it's got my, my, my dogs, but also, um, you know, my client's dogs, plus a number of other dogs that I've, um, you know, recommended to, to that next level in regards to speed, power, um, you know, it's, it's been, been really, really awesome. So I'm a big fan of that as, you know, on top of say, you know, your, your body weighted stuff. Yeah. And to be honest, mm -hmm. um, I don't use mm -hmm. any type of, um, resistance like mm -hmm. chain training or, yep. um, like parachute work. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't personally do that with my dogs. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested in it, but it's also something that is kind of out of my wheelhouse and I don't have a lot of knowledge in that particular area. Mm -hmm. And so until I have a full knowledge of something, I don't, incorporate it um, necessarily into my own dog's routines, but I've seen many people who have used it that have a great knowledge of it and um, have used it for great benefits with their dogs. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's my jam and I really love it on, you know, to layer and it's only one piece of the puzzle. You know, we need to, you know, obviously when we're looking at the whole program, we need to take, um, you know, a, a, a pie chart and say, all right, we're going to use, you know, take this piece of the puzzle and we've got to put, put it together, you know. So a lot of people often uh, forget about certain pieces of that puzzle. Um, would you agree? <laughs> Yes. Well, and I always feel like there's always knowledge to be gained and there's always 
um, there's always something good about finding new ways to be able to challenge these canine athletes, right? Mm -hmm. So always finding new techniques or new exercises or new, like you're saying, um, resistance training that mm -hmm. can make them better athletes and prevent more injuries in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm always game to find new things and to um, increase my knowledge in those areas. Um, because there's always, there's always so much like perpetual new knowledge, especially when it comes to canine fitness, mm -hmm. it's still a newer thing, right. Yep. And it's still evolving. And so we're always finding new things out every day. Um, and I'm always, I am always learning and trying to find, find those new things that I can incorporate in my own training. Yep. So, um, just you saying that it's something that it sparks my reminder, Hey, we should maybe look into a piece of that because, it um it could be something that i could add that would be beneficial yeah for sure and at the end of the day if it's um if it's beneficial for us you know um we're gonna, we're gonna pass it on to our clients you know um but as you mentioned mm -hmm. um until it's tried and tested and and you we're confident in certain something new uh we're not going to pass it on you know so um certainly having yes. a good understanding and a good knowledge about that um is critical before we we uh, even tell anyone about it you know yes absolutely yeah and and that's also the, I mean, the glorious thing about being certified and having your own canine athletes mm. is that like when I'm incorporating a new move into like their type of routine, mm -hmm. I can also train them on it, video it, make sure that they're having proper form. Mm -hmm. And then I can demonstrate the exercise correctly before I am showing it to my clients. And that way I have a good understanding of, um, kind of the trials and tribulations when they're learning a new move, because when they're like first learning something, they're not going to get it perfect like the first time. Right. Yep. So they're, they're always going to try to compensate somewhere or um, try to offer something that you're not necessarily wanting. So working through it with my own dogs and, um, and making sure those moves are incorporated. And I feel like they're safe and beneficial before giving them to my clients is, is definitely um, something that I'm always looking at as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, from for just a moment, we'll we'll talk about you know we spoke about injuries uh, for dogs in particular. Um, but can you tell us about you know what you're doing in regards to getting some people prepped, um, you know, to prevent those injuries? I know that we've spoken about um, you know having a plan and not competing uh, 52 weeks of the year. You know, it's obviously uh, <laughs> you know uh, top of the top of the list. Um, but in regards to uh, um, just how you would prep someone just as you know if if you feel like sharing um as much as or as little as you want just you know what injuries you're seeing you know we'll jump back a couple a little bit and how are you going about uh, preventing them yeah so i i mean i think it boils down to having a consistent routine right so making sure that your everyday like day-to-day -day schedule is starting with great nutrition proper hydration um, and then setting a schedule that sets you up for success. So a lot of people too are always working. They work long hours during the day, they're gone. Um, so making sure that the dog either has some type of stimulation in the morning and then the evening, um, or setting yourself up so your schedule is able to accommodate those things. Um, not just having the dog sit on the couch five days a week while you work and then taking them to a competition on the weekend, expecting them to win first place. Um, because I feel like that happens all too often, especially mm -hmm. in this country. Um, so my thing is when I'm dealing with like agility and fitness clients, um, I'm trying to always make sure that they have a, a good schedule to be successful on. So based on 
their lives, which are already crazy anyways, we try to make things that will fit into that particular team schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always trying to make sure that there is at least um, two, if not three days of scheduled strength, flexibility, body awareness training. Um, also cardiovascular, we're looking at, depending on what type of sport the dog competes in, um, how many days of lighter cardio versus long distance cardio versus um, sprint training, whether it's on land or in a pool, um, to make sure that we're, we're covering all of our bases in those regards. Mm-hmm. And then also incorporating that sports specific training. So whatever they're working on, um, or working towards, so going to agility competition, making sure that we're doing things like cavalettis or jump grids, so that way the dog is successful on a smaller scale, and that they're building up those skills and also um, like incorporating those um, habits into their like routine, so that way when we are then taking them to a high intensity environment, um, asking them to do things. Um, in a very short amount of time um, when they, I mean, they don't get the course map. They don't know what's coming. So they can't say, oh, I need to make sure that I'm good on that right turn. They don't know until it's already happening. Mm-hmm. So making sure that when you're at those competitions too, that you're warming the dogs up correctly, that you are cooling them down correctly. So I'm always making sure that my clients have some type of routine that is very structured of this is how we're going to warm the dog up for the sport, making sure that we're doing all that we can um before we're like taking the dog into the ring not just taking it out of the car or taking it out of the crate and saying here we go let's run let's run really fast because that's a recipe for disaster right recipe Mm -hmm. for injury yeah um so working in more of a logistical approach of making sure that we have the strength training cardiovascular all that stuff on the back end Mm -hmm. um is a weekly routine and then making sure that day of competition, we have already planned things out. We have a schedule, warm up the cool down um, plan. We know how to implement those things. Mm-hmm. And so that way the, it sets the dog for success, um, not only leading up to the competition, but day of competition as well. Yeah, awesome. Um, and, and just on that, so disclaimer, I, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I do not do, know anything about agility, right? Total disclaimer here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I dabbled for about 12 months a year ago uh, sorry about 10 years ago so i don't know anything about agility however i just wanted to ask about the grid styles i noticed on your uh, some recent facebook posts you're talking about some grids and some training that you're doing i um, would love to know a little bit more about that was it sort of a european style was it um so the grids um come from there is um a very famous person here in the states that has written a book they have dvd um it's Susan Salo, she has a grids basically workbook. Um, and I, I hold that in very high regard. Um, I use it with all of my dogs um, from the time that they're puppies um, to the time that they're fully competing adults. And my dogs that are like currently competing right now, they're doing grids um, at least once, if not twice a week. Um, there are several different types of grids. There are, I mean, straight line grids, turning grids, bounce grids. Um, I could go on and on for days. Um, yeah. But these type of jumping grids help give the dog basically the, the skills and the, the, the keys to be successful 
um, so that they can be able to judge proper distances, that they can anticipate whether they need to put in a stride or take out a stride when they're approaching a jump, um, how to collect properly for jumps, how to extend properly on extension lines. Mm -hmm. um, just taking a dog into an agility course and expecting it to know those things is is terrible um, because they they don't have that knowledge. Um, and I know it's not one of the fanciest or, or sexiest parts of agility, um, but doing all of that back work and making sure that they um, are working through those things um, before competing and even like during like their careers um, will help them in the long run. Because I mean, so often like you see dogs dropping several bars um, it's normally due to lack of knowledge. So mm -hmm. those, those dogs, they, they don't have a, a general basis of how to approach jumps, mm -hmm. how to take off properly, how to land properly um, off of the jumps. And so that just, I mean, snowballs when you're mm -hmm. in a new environment on a new service with new equipment. If those dogs don't have the tools to be able to handle something like that, that's where you start to, to see those problems. So grids are a, are a great way to um, constantly prepare the dog for those different types of jumping scenarios that they will encounter um, during agility competitions. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Thank you. I, you know, that's that's new to me as well. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so um, moving forward, you've got some summer camps. You know, your you know your summer. We're we're winter over here at the moment in Australia, but um, you've got some summer camps uh, coming up. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those and uh, where people can uh, potentially find some more information and uh, jump on board? Oh, yes. So, um, so I teach agility in, I mean, several places throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Um, my summer camp is coming up, it's coming up in a couple of weeks in mm -hmm. North Carolina. I actually have, um, another instructor that's coming down from the East coast, um, Grace, uh, she's coming to teach with me and we're doing a five day agility, basically super summer camp. Yep. Um, it's, um, the first like big, summer camp event that I have done. I normally do things, um, I mean, Friday through Sunday, um, but this is a Thursday through Monday event and we have everything offered from puppy stuff to like international agility handling. Mm -hmm. um, right now that one is completely full. It, okay. It's filled pretty much <laughs> the first day it was open. Um, <laughs> um, that one, that one filled very quickly. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, going to be a, a really great time with a lot of really great students so i'm really excited about that one um it, it will be a lot of fun for for grace and i um and all the dogs um but then the rest of my um seminars and workshops um i have listed on either my website or on my um Oakley Canine athletics facebook page mm -hmm. um i always try to keep an updated list in there but i have stuff coming up um anywhere from pennsylvania um, Georgia, I'll be going up the East coast, um, to several places. I'll be actually teaching at Grace's place for our fall, um, Oktoberfest camp, um, uh, later on this year. Um, so I'll be back at her place in New Jersey, um, after she's down here, um, for the summer camp. So, um, but you can always find the list on my, on my website or on my Facebook page, which is good. Yeah. Fantastic. Look, uh, it's been a fantastic chatting to you, Lauren. I really appreciate uh, you, you know, you know, finding the time and uh, having patience with me uh, over the last few weeks in regards to my, uh, my illness at the moment, but uh, look, it's, it's been fantastic. And, and look guys, if you want to reach out to, to Lauren, uh, as she mentioned, uh, website, uh, Facebook, do you Insta, do you Instagram much? 
I do have an Instagram, Oakley Canine Athletics. Fantastic. So uh, please feel free to uh, uh, like, subscribe, share this episode. And uh, if you want some help with your agility dog, uh, reach out to Lauren. Absolutely. All righty. Thank you very much. Are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness? Dogs and Deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware, including t-shirts, hoodies, cushion covers, mugs, plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T-E-E-Spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. Or check out the link in the podcast notes.